Oh, mm. I have so much dyslexia. You have a lot of dyslexia. Thank you. I don't think left and right falls under that, but just so everyone knows, it might also can't tell left from right. It does fall under that. Does it really? Yeah. Isn't it like dyslexia is no. like? I'm gonna say something. Yeah. Wrong. Offend gonna... the entire neurodivergent community. I'd rather not. Let's go. No. Say it. Don't make me do it. Do it. No. Do it. Uh. Uh-uh. You're not doing it. Do it. It's like when you mess up words, right? And you get letters wrong because they start to swirl around for you. Mm, not really. I think some people have it that way. But everybody sees things different. Mm. So, like, for me, a lot of times if I'm trying to read and stuff, sometimes letters will flip. But it's not like I'm looking at it and they're actively moving around. Oh. It's like the letters are already flipped in my head. Mm. And then at the same time, the background is changing color. Whoa, you have, like, almost synesthesia. Actually, I do have synesthesia. That's fun. Yeah, but it's for music. Music always makes me think of colors. Mm. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Amanda. I'm Vivia. And this is How Did We Get Here? You may be wondering that already. If you are wondering what this podcast is all about, though, every episode, our beloved sound engineer, Lewis, gives us a topic, and Divya and I each create our own story that starts as far away from the topic as possible. By the end, we have to make it back to that topic. So this week, our topic is lighthouses. And Lewis is going to give us a definition on what lighthouses are. Webster's Dictionary defines a lighthouse as a structure, open parenthesis, such as a tower, close parenthesis, with a powerful light that gives a continuous or an intermittent signal to navigators. Real talk, though. Who records first today? I do. Wow, you remember? just remember that? Well, because you recorded first last time. I just flip it. Again, directions? God. I actually did a whole study on, like, for, for a neuroscience thing on, like, all of the early signs of dyslexia and stuff. And you can now technically diagnose a child as early as, like, six months if there's a family history and the child has problems with, like, directional processing. Whoa. Yeah. That's got to be useful for a lot of people. Yeah. It was not useful for me. <laughs> I have Amanda. She's just found both out, different. Found out at the ripe age of 12 that, holy shit, not everybody just memorizes every word spelling. <laughs> well, you're here now. You're diagnosed. And you can spell things, kind of. Mm, I'm actually not formally diagnosed because it's a longer process as you get older. Mm. Um, because they have to, like, figure out if you're not actually faking or not. And so my parents got a, this child probably has it, and then didn't keep taking me. Oh. Yikes. Rip. Rip, Amanda. Anyway. Is it my turn? <laughs> Is this depressing enough for everyone? Is it already time? Amanda's already prefaced this episode with, if things get depressing, <laughs> you can pause and ask for a fun fact. Is it already time for me to ask for a fun fact? Are you asking for a fun fact? No, I'm going to hold on to them. You can ask on. for a fun fact. I only have four. No, I'm not going to make... I have I've got four. I'm not going to waste a quarter on them. All right. All right. Deal. All right. It's my turn. <laughs> and I don't think my story will require fun facts. It should be relatively lighthearted. Mm. Um, okay, so my story starts in the middle of the pandemic. Because I was all alone. I had no friends. My friends all lived in different 
parts of the world. So you did have friends? I did have friends. So you just lied to our entire audience? No, I did the Amanda thing where I just lost object permanence of my friends. Stop! Amanda forgets she has friends if they're not directly in front of her. (laughs) I forget who people are if I don't see them for a few weeks at a time. Yeah. It's really bad. But I too was feeling that way. Me and my best friend, who is also named Divya, fun fact. That's my fun fact. (laughs) Since we're starting in the middle of the pandemic. But... She spells it different. Yeah, she spells it D-H-I-V-Y-A, and I spell mine D-I-V-Y-A. She's got a little extra H. We always call ourselves Divya Squared, but with the H in parentheses. Um, We met freshman year, and we lived together for all three years of college. And then we entered the pandemic, and both of us moved home. And it was really weird to go from spending, like, I would spend almost all day with her, except for the times that we were in classes or sleeping, basically. And then I went to like being all alone at home. My mom went to work, and it was just me and my sister. Yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a great time with my sister, but it was also just like she was my only person. Mm-hmm. So while I was terribly missing my best friend, Divya, I was going through and looking through all our old videos and Snapchats and photos, reminiscing. Why do you have this much content of each other? Well, this is what it's like when your friends take photos and videos with you. Oh, God. Amanda has put me on a ban. You got pictures last night. I did. I did. Guys, everybody should go listen to Wet Leg's debut album, Wet Leg. It is fantastic. We saw them live last night. Yes. Beautiful people. They are our favorite band. We have decided to stand them forever and ever. Thank you. I'm sorry I'm interjecting on your story. No, it's okay. (laughs) For Wet Leg, anything. Um... Anyways, I missed her. I was going through all this, and I was like, huh. You know how I love to watch fan edits of things? I was like, I could put together a fan edit of me and Divya. And so while I was doing this, I was looking for songs about, like, best friends to put to it. And I ended up settling on Best Friend by Conan Gray. But while I was looking through all this, I discovered this artist named Lofi. If I'm mispronouncing her name, please come in the middle of the night and assassinate me. Um deal because i really like her i her music is so amazing she's an icelandic singer she's um half asian half white um she does jazz pop and r&b is how her music is categorized but it really reminds me of like a softer ella fitzgerald all right yeah i love her so much i will um and the song really reminds me of divya as well um i will now read you a little excerpt from the song because i think it's sweet um it goes it's come to my attention that i don't show enough of what i think it's only when i drink i open up but i promise that i love you even with that hairdo i'm sorry i made fun of it it's not your fault it looks like shit is this referencing your high school haircut I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. And it was not in high school. It was in college. And I still think I look cool. All right. All right. Um, and then the second verse kind of goes, I have never tolerated someone for so long. I've never laughed so much. I haven't written a sad song. There's no one else I'd rather fall asleep with and dream with. You're my best friend in the world. This is about a best friend? Mm-hmm. I think it's sweet. Amanda's just staring at me. I, it sounds very romantic. I think I think there may be a best friend with benefits situation going on with the song. No. It's adorable. <laughs> it's platonic. All right. Anyways, Lofi started a book club this August. And there's one thing that I love more than my favorite artist, 
is a book club started by my favorite artist. Oh, God. And the first book was called The Summer Book by Tove Jansen. Mm-hmm. So I started reading it. I'm very behind in the book club. I am halfway through this book. And I think she started it in September. So, anyways, I think it's a great book. I think it perfectly represents Luffy as an artist because it ha- it takes kind of, it's, it's from that region. It's from, like, the, art, the, the author is from Finland. She's from Iceland. They're, it kind of gets takes place on an island. Are those close to each other? They're Finland is region. not an island. No, it's not. But the book takes place off an island off oh, the sorry. coast of Finland. Okay, all right. But, like, it's the same region of the world. Where the hell is Iceland? Like, way up there. And then Finland's kind of here. But they're still in the northern part of the world. Wait, hold on. I thought that Iceland wasn't actually cold, though. Like, it's called Iceland, but it's, like, the opposite of Greenland? Is it? Where? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> Lucas showing the books could be. Lucas, Lucas done with me. Um, I don't have any information on the weather of Iceland. Because I, it's not relevant <laughs> to my story. It's relevant to me understanding where the fuck this place is. The summer book centers around this grandma and the six-year-old living on an island during the summer. I'm about halfway through this book, so I have not finished it, but basically nothing happens in this book. Great. It really, nothing happens. It's just like a small, it's just them interacting and living their best life and talking to each other and going through things. But not really, no like major plot points are happening. The biggest plot point in this book has already happened before this book starts, which is that this little kid's mom has died. All right. And it's written by Tove Jansen, Mm -hmm. who I will tell you a ton about. Okay, because okay. she's just the coolest person ever. I don't know how I do this every podcast. I find a woman that I'm just like, why am I in love with you? But <laughs> Tove Jansen is just so cool. Um, she writes this book when she's about 60 years old and her mother has just died. And I think it's a, and she has a niece called Sophie, mm-hmm. who I think is like she named the character, the six-year-old after. Okay. Six-year-old's also called Sophie. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think it's really cool because I think both characters in this book are Toe Jansen, which is amazing. She is simultaneously the six-year-old who has just lost her mother. And also this grandma who's living on this island and realizing that her body's not quite what it used to be. That she's not remembering things as much as she should. But also kind of like looking through life from the six-year-old's point of view as well. And it's funny because they're both kind of on polar opposite spectrums of life but coming together. Divya, this sounds really depressing. It's not! It's on an island, and they're having fun, and they're learning to cope with this grief together. Sad things happen, but they're, like, rebounding from it. All right. I think that's happy. I think happiness has to come from persevering through sadness a little bit. Uh, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean... I, I agree, I agree. It should come from persevering through sadness. I don't well, know. okay, I agree that, like, you can't, like, feel the ups if you don't feel some downs, but, like... I think that you can find happiness. Well, that sounds like a sad book, though. No, it was good. Okay. They don't talk much about the mom dying. That's the whole point, though. You Repression. only hear about it, like, 20 pages in, and then they don't talk about it again. Repression. It's not repression. It's just, like, she has to keep going. I don't know. Why are you making it depressing? <laughs> I don't know. I can make anything depressing. 
Anyways, the descriptions of nature in this are so pretty. Mm-hmm. I, like, really just kind of, like, fell in love with the way it was written. Like, the, the island itself is almost, like, a third character in this, which mm-hmm. is awesome because, like, it's just, like, the dad's there. The dad is, like, he's, like, anytime they mention the dad, he's doing one of things. He's, like, one, fucking something up. Or two, he's, like, just writing at his desk. So he's, like, a character, but we don't talk about him. Three characters are the girl, the grandmother, and the island, which is so awesome. So I, I was like, who is this woman? Why is she able to write like this? So I started investigating her. So I'm now going to tell you about Tove Jansen, the mm-hmm. person who wrote the summer book. She's born in Helsinki in 1914. And this woman just does everything differently. She's uh, one part of a Swedish-speaking family in Finland. With their, they're like a minority in Finland. Mm-hmm. So her dad is a sculptor. Her mom is a really successful illustrator. And in her journal, or in her diary, at that age, like a very young age, she's written, I want to be a wild thing, not an, not an artist, Tove Jansen. I think that's a really adorable thing for a kid to write, while having two parents that are artists. <laughs> um, she goes to study painting in Paris at 23, and she, like, hates it. She studies at this very prestigious school, and then quits after two weeks. And this is another quote from her journals. Or maybe I think of... I think this one is actually a letter home. Mm-hmm. She's right. She writes, possibly one gleans some superficial technique to use in disguising one's mediocre talents. That was her <laughs> comment on that school. That's amazing. She quits after two weeks and transfers to a smaller school run by a more radical Swiss artist. And I think that was just more of her vibe. She was like, this is actually pushing the boundaries of art. Yeah. Um, That's cool. She, her whole, like, thesis out of that school was supposed to be a portrait of her family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just kind of, like, her choosing that is that she's always very close to her family. Okay. Uh, throughout her life, her mom continues to live on and off with her, um, which is why you see that huge impact of her mom's death in that book, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that painting ends up not getting good critic feedback and that kind hey. of thing. What's it like to have a healthy family life? No, I'm not talking about this on the podcast. Unfortunately, I will not be doxing myself like this. Or you. Um, but, no, I'm so off. <laughs> Sorry. Um, hey, audience. Take the ACE test. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. It's called the ACEs test. You keep calling it the ACE test, but it's definitely called the I'm ACEs dyslexic. test. I'm dyslexic. You can You drop letters as a dyslexic, too? Sure. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, so she comes up with this portrait of her family. It does not go well. It does not get great critical feedback. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like, at the same time, this is like when World War II starts. She's kind of feeling like, what's the whole point of being an artist right now? Like... Everything is so depressing. I feel like using bright colors or creating beautiful things isn't useful. And at, she's also kind of thinking back to her childhood. Um, and she remembers something of like her uncle who threatens her with this kind of troll thing that she said he says like lurks in the pantry at night. And then he tells her this when she's 15, which I just think as a 15 year old would be like, sure, sure, uncle. Yeah. Um, but she turns this kind of like, into a kind of pleasant thing, this, like, nightmarish thing that he was trying to create, mm-hmm. into the Moomin family, which they're basically... The Moomins are a race of hippo-like, bulbous-nosed creatures driven by curiosity. 
she illustrates them and writes books about them. And Aww. these, like, as soon as you see one of these, you kind of think you've seen it somewhere else because mm-hmm. they're, like, everywhere. They, like, did a great job of commercializing it. It's super big in Japan as, like, one of those cute caricature type things. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, when she releases these, like, the Moomin family, tri- like, uh, books, she does, she publishes the first one in 1945. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be children's books. But they're really amazing because they're not like other childhood books where they're talking down to kids. They're not just it's not just like plain old animation. There's not a story with some kind of moralistic judgment happening. Like here's what's right, here's what's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's generally these stories follow the pattern of like something terrible has happened. We need to learn to cope with it, or we need to learn to find kind of some kind of peace in the harshness of the world. Um, so some examples, like the first book is called um, Comet in Moominland. Uh, mm-hmm. And that one, the Moomins are trying to protect themselves from a huge comet that happens. An earlier story than that that she, I think, published later was like, Moom- there's three characters that I should probably explain now. Moomin Papa, who is the <laughs> father. Yes. He's got the most dad vibes ever. I love him. Uh, Moomin Mama who is a very maternal figure, very typical family. I think she pulled from her family a lot. And then there's Moomin Troll, who is the son. Or, I don't know, yeah, they use he. Yeah. He's he's the son of the two. Okay. And then later on, they add a bunch of characters coming in. One of those that we'll talk about a little bit more is Little Mai, who is not a hippo. She is another species of troll. And she's, like, all mischievous, but I think she kind of gets adopted by the family in a way. And she mm-hmm. lives with the family for a bit. But one of the earlier stories that I was talking about, Moomin Troll and his mom wander through this, like, perilous landscape searching for Moomin Papa, who has just disappeared. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, there's, like, some, I think a lot of it is, like, the same thing as, like, 1945 time where things are going wrong we don't know how to stop them. We're losing people. And at the end, she always wraps it up of like, here's what happened. And somehow they all always return back to Moomin Valley, which is where they live with mm-hmm. everyone safe. So it is like, here's the terribleness of the world. And she ends it with kind of a comforting ending, I think. Apparently, it was also an animated series. Yes. They made a lot of movies out of it, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think... She's really different from other post-war artists at the time because post-war artists then were doing nihilism, surrealism, some kind of Freud-inspired shit. She kind of turned back and went to children's books. And she's still addressing the war very concretely in a way when you read those books, you can tell. Yeah. Um, but I think in a way that I think made sense to her to process. I think kids' stuff is always done a little different, though. Like, Dr. Seuss was the same time period, and I feel like his stuff, instead of being any bit depressing was just wildly like childish yes yeah i don't know much about dr seuss but that's fair you know what he kind of sucks as a human Uh, that's what i've somewhat heard yeah Yeah. his books are good though but it has no like a few of them have themes they're mostly just like goofy and I, i don't know how i feel about that yeah, I mean, I think that's more of, like, a... It's a distraction in, in a way. Yeah. I think Tove's work is a little bit different because it's, like, it's here. Here's how we deal with it. Yeah. I mean, not or not deal with it, live through it. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't present 
the war is a problem to solve. Yeah. More is a th- landscape that we have to navigate, which it's I think like, is very healthy. It's Mr. Rogers. Yeah, it is. Bring back Mr. Rogers. Um, fun fact, she, um, I think a lot of people hypothesize that she influenced Roald, Dahl, Roald Dahl's books a lot, especially sure, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Yeah. Except And Matilda. I, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, we will be talking about one of these books in depth, but before we get there, I want to talk about Tove Jansen's later life. First off, this woman is very, very bisexual. She's very openly bisexual. At a time, I didn't know that we could do that. So, that's dope for her. We couldn't. Maybe it's a little different because she was in Europe. Maybe. Yeah. She's also an artist, so I think it's just that circle runs different, too. Yeah. Anyways, she turns in her, like, 50s. This girl is like, I am over the scene. I'm going to go settle on my dream island called Claw Haran. Okay? It's 6,000 square meters. It's completely isolated. Mm-hmm. The way her niece describes it, she's like, it's basically, like, an, a rock. She's living <laughs> on a rock. With her is her partner, Tuliki Piatella. And every summer they go there. As soon as the ice breaks in April, all the way until the first snow in October, they are there on that island living their best life. And they live in this like tiny little cabin that has like windows on all sides so you can see the entire landscape. Whoa. And most of the time, they don't even sleep there. They're like, when we have guests, we go camping outside. It is so cool and they basically all she does is just write stories there pictures and proses it's also where she ended up writing that summer book okay um and kind of picture like a lot of the nature descriptions there sound very similar to those of her island Mm. around this time so 1965 Mm. she publishes a series called moon and papa at sea or a novel I read all of this novel this week. <laughs> it is the coolest thing in the entire world. And here's how we get to Lighthouse, okay? Is it? This is how we get to Lighthouse. Okay. Um, remember I told you the Moomin family lives in Moomin Valley? Yes. Fun fact, if you ever want to guess something they're doing or a character's name, it starts with Moomin. Um, where do they live? Moomin Valley. What's the dad's name? Moomin Papa. <laughs> <laughs> What's the mom's name? Moomin Mama. You already told me that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just think that's great. Uh, anyways, Moomin Valley, they're settled there, and the story starts in Moomin Valley. Okay. Moomin Papa gets up, and he's like, every day, same old bullshit. I'm over it. Everyone's doing off doing their own thing. I don't get this, like, this valley just doesn't hold the appeal it used to hold to. Mm. He's just, like, a little grumpy and irritated, and I can, it's just such dad vibes. <laughs> he, like, woke up one morning, he's like, I'm not feeling it. And he has been building this, like, little model island. And it it's, like, perfectly situated on a map and everything. And he's like, that's where we're going to move. So he packs up the entire family, and they go to this island. Um, to describe this island to you, it is described as a rock in the middle of nowhere. Exactly like Toe's wow. Island. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah. They pack up everything, and... I don't know why it's such a big thing. He's like, Moomin Mama, you're not doing any more work. I'm going to take care of everything. <laughs> uh, which I think is so sweet. 
Um, so he ends up like, she's like, you no longer have to be the homemaker. I think it's somewhat of the vibe. Yeah. Um, so he packs up everything. He puts everyone in the boat. This is also where we meet the somewhat villain of the story. It's not a real villain. She's just like not presented as warmly as them to begin, um, as the rest of the family to begin with. And right. this character is called the Grok. The Grok is described, and this for people who are listening, G-R-O-K-E. That is how it's spelled. Grok. Grok. Very good. Um, it is a character that is described as, look, when you're near her, just intense loneliness, desperation, a need to be seen. But if you look at her, she just comes closer and closer, and she spreads cold. So wherever she sits, she lays a frost. Whoa. Yeah. And you can tell that it emits from her loneliness of nobody's seeing me, is how that character is described. Wow. Sounds familiar. No. (laughs) Um, Audience, we have a secret we can't tell you about. We'll tell you in the future, maybe. Who knows? Secrets are better kept secret. Otherwise, one of us ends up in a grave. Isn't that how Pretty Little Liars goes? Yeah. I think I got frostbite this week. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Moomin Mama at this point is like, look, guys, like, don't engage with her. The more you engage with her, just the more she wants to spread her loneliness is what she's told everyone and is her general feeling about it. Yep. I've experienced this. (laughs) The group does get redeemed a little bit later. So let us know. Um... (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> we're going to move on. I'm not going to linger. Okay. Um, he, they get to this island, and guess where this family is living? On a rock? <laughs> yes, but they do have to live in some kind of structure. Oh, my God. They live in a... I am... What? I am making a lighthouse with my hands. And that is the worst light. I thought it was a tree. A lighthouse, a lighthouse is like, here's the house, and then you have the pillar. That's what I just did. Girl, you made it look like a sexy body over there. Lighthouses are sexy she's, bodies. She's like got all the curves going and stuff. I'm like, is it a tree? No. Is it a sexy lady? Lighthouses they are live sexy ladies. In a sexy lady. Whoa. I should have thought, is this Statue of Liberty supposed to also be a lighthouse? No. The what? French don't think that far ahead. Okay. No, but I just had that thought because it's so close to the water, right? So in theory, it could kind of be like a lighthouse. No. Okay. It's not that bright. Sad. It's, it's meant for decoration. I thought I came up with like a whole new theory. No. All right. Anyways, um, I'm going to describe all these plot lines to you. Each character, they get there, they kind of settle down, and then each character kind of goes on their own adventure. So I remember I told you four characters, right? Little Mai, Moomin Troll, Moomin Mama, and Moomin Papa. Okay. Yes. And the Grok, who is our villain now, okay? Yes. Um, I'm reading this book, and I'm just like, what is going on? Because straight up, every single one of these characters descends into a type of mania. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that this girl is getting real serious. She just took her cap and put it on backwards, like she's about to catch a Pokemon. Gotta catch these hands. I don't know how the Pokemon song goes. I think my childhood just died. It died in my hands. Dun, 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 dun. Pokemon! Okay, go. Okay. Wow. The Moomin family could be a type of Pokemon. Oh. 
Think about it. Little hippo Pokemon. Yeah, that'd be kind of cute. Yeah. Moomin definitely could be a Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Anyways, we'll start with Moomin Papa. Okay? Okay. Moomin Papa gets up there. He is like, he, he sticks to his word. Moomin Mama does not lift a hand. He unpacks everything. He sets up the kitchen for her the just way, just the way she likes it. He builds bell- beds for everyone, and then he gets up to the lighthouse, top, like the top of the tower. Is he single? No, he's married to Moomin Mama. Can we change that? No, you have a boyfriend. Stop running after the troll creatures. He doesn't know how to build a bed. He could if he wanted to. And that's probably true. Yeah. All right. Anyways, <laughs> Moon Papa, he gets up to the top of the lighthouse tower. He's like, his whole thing is he's like, I'm going to be a lighthouse keeper. I'm so pumped about it. Okay. He yeah. goes, can't start the light. He does have a whole like lighthouse keeper-esque moment where the lighthouse is locked and they mm-hmm. can't get in. And he like meditates and he thinks like a lighthouse keeper and then follows the rocky path down and finds the key to the lighthouse. And then opens a lighthouse. That, so he's like, one win for the day, second one of the day, he cannot make it. That is some new wave white shit. I think it's more about being connected to the island. And you will see this is a recurring theme. That's some new wave ideology. No. Yes. It's called being your movement self. Okay? I, yeah, I think that Tove Jansen may have been in a cult at some point. Isn't everything a cult? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Moomin Papa can't light the lighthouse. This man gets frustrated, okay? He's like, I don't know what to do. So he just, like, starts wandering the island and thinking and staring off into rocks. <laughs> and at one point, he gets really intrigued by the sea. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't figure out how this girl works. I need to understand the mechanisms of the sea. He starts getting these study books and, like, filling them up with, like, all these notes about the sea and how he thinks wor- things work and like writing and writing and writing and going off and staring at distance and contemplating the sea. Um, I had a professor that got her like undergrad degree in like chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. And then she said, F this, you know what I really love? Electricity. I'm going to go get a PhD in electrical engineering. Do you know what she discovered? What? She's like really good at the theoretical side of electrical engineering, uh-huh. but she cannot, for the life of her, do a single like circuits-based experiment. This is all I've been, like. I had a conversation with Papa. Yeah, I had a conversation with her once, and I was. And she was like, "I love electrical engineering. You should definitely do it as your minor." And I was like, "Oh." Um. She was like, "Why aren't I in electrical engineering right now? I suck at it." <laughs> That's fun, though. I think it's, like, fun to explore things you're not good at. But she was great at it. She was great at it. Theoretically. Yeah, but I think that's almost being, like, a scholar of things. You know, like, in practicality, maybe you're not the most useful person, but you love knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so it's filling up these notebooks. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's just another character on this island. And I promise this is the last character, because I said the whole cast, and then I forgot this guy. When they arrive on this island, there is a random fisherman. This island is completely abandoned except for this one fisherman dude. And when they can't find the key to the lighthouse, they go up to him and they're like, dude, hey, you know anything? We, like, came here. We, like, need somewhere to sleep for the night and the lighthouse is locked. And he's like, yeah, I got your key. No. 
Oh. This man is the least helpful person in the entire world. He's a fisherman, but he doesn't catch any fish. He just stands there with his line, and they ask him anything, and they ask him, first off, he doesn't respond. And then the second time they ask him, he goes, I cannot recall. I reckon if you catch enough fish, they might have a key. No. This man Mm -hmm. has a different vibe than the vibe you were giving me with this voice. Uh, This sounds like George Bush. Three Brazilian. How how many is a Brazilian? What? (laughs) You never heard about this? No. He once during a a press conference was talking about the number of Brazilians that had died in some sort of incident. And he straight up says, I think it was six. He says six Brazilians. And then he like looks off to the side and goes, how many is a Brazilian? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> yes. So uh, bad. <laughs> no, our fisherman's vibe is more like an Alzheimer's patient who's wandered off. I think that is George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I keep looking over at Luke to see if he's laughing and he's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have to make Luke laugh at some point. Yeah. Someday. We- some era of history. Our goal is to get him to chuckle. He's so serious. Look at it. It's like he's not even listening. Look. Not even a smile. Ugh. All right. Anyways, <laughs> this fisherman dude, not helpful at all. When he gets up and he can't light the light, he again goes ask the like fisherman dude. And he's like, doesn't respond. And then only says, I cannot recall. Kumun Papa's furious. Furious with the sea as well. Wait, he's actually Bill Clinton. I do not recall having <laughs> sexual relations <laughs> with that woman. But that, that is just taking, that's pretending to have Alzheimer's. How much do we know about this fisherman? Maybe he knows all the shit. Oh. Oh. Maybe you're onto something. Okay. Anyways, let's get on with the story, okay? That's Moomin. Moomin Papa's on his own crazy fucking journey. He's writing a book like a madman. Moomin Mama. Moomin Mama misses Moomin Valley so much. This poor girly. She's like, I do not like this island. There is... Her one thing is she loves to garden, okay? Mm-hmm. She goes and she like... First off, the soil's too dry. The of only course. places where she can find out where things grow is where seaweed has started to decompo- decompose and like create really great soil. It sounds like fucking New England. Is this how New England works? I cannot. Like, there's rock... And sand. And then occasionally you're like, ah, oh, yes, fertile soil. Yeah. I have two feet of it. No, that's exactly what this island is like as well. So she, she starts hauling seaweed like nobody's business. Starts planting a bunch of shit. She's somewhat successful, but for her, the one thing she really wants to recreate. Or slash, like, I can't remember if they've had this apple tree in Moomin Valley. Or mm-hmm. if they, like, she's like, this is how we will build a new home here type thing. But she's like, I want to grow an apple tree. This apple tree does not take very well, slash isn't growing. This woman gets sad. She goes, grabs a bunch of cans of paint. In the wind, the wall that's facing the garden, there's a window and then there's a bunch of wall. This woman just starts painting the garden that she wants. She's like, flower after flower after flower. She keeps painting. And then the most batshit insane part is she starts painting little versions of herself. So that if she, that garden's, fa- like, the window's facing the garden, right? Mm-hmm. So all these flowers look like they're in the garden, too. And then the little versions of her, if she goes and stands in the garden and you're looking through that window, you can't tell which ones are her. 
and or like which one's the real moomin mama because the perspective's just right whoa yeah but this is her version of her mania right yeah she's just like i don't know what to do on this island i feel home- so homesick mm-hmm. i'm going to try to recreate it the only way i can um that's really cool yeah, yeah. no i thought so too <laughs> uh then Moom- throughout this little mai is not little mai doesn't get her own version of mania this girl is kind of like she gives me um why am i why do i always want to say tina but it's not tina Louise. Louise. Louise from Bob's Burger. Energy, okay? Exactly that energy. Skull. Pure chaos. Pure chaos, okay? Yes. She just wanders around. At one point, um, Moomin Troll finds, like, this really nice spot, but there's a bunch of ants everywhere. And he's like, hey, like, oh, it's so irritating that there are ants here. And she's like, hey, if you help me with this one thing I'm working on, I will get rid of the ants for you. You know what she does? She douses them in the um, kerosene from the lamp. And kills She's a them all. She is a Louise. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, she doesn't really have her own storyline. Basically, she's just referenced throughout the novel of, like, she's just going around, fucking shit up. And she kind of, like, becomes somewhat good friends with the fisherman in that she just sits quietly with him and does her own shit. The fisherman does his own shit. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, dude, as she just tells him, she's like, stop bothering the fisherman. He's just doing his vibe. I get it. Okay. Then you have Moomin Troll, okay? Moomin mm-hmm. Troll is the one who begins to interact with the Grok because he starts to sneak out at night to see seahorses. But in this case, seahorses in the novel are actual horses that come from the sea. Oh my god, like a silky. What's a silky? Selkie? Selkie? Oh, I it's know like a. About. Yeah, it's like an Irish, it's a Celtic lore thing of like. There are these horses that if you, they don't actually live in the water. They live alongside the water. And if you actually, if you approach them, they'll like drag you into the water. And Okay, so the latter part's not true. Um, for this story, yeah. yeah. He discovers a silver horseshoe the first day they come in. And he's like, oh my god, that means must mean there are seahorses here. Mm-hmm. He meets one, kind of like tells her how much he loves her. And he kind of laughs and is very prideful it's um it like it's like haha like you think i'm pretty oh and doesn't like really remember his name and then like there's a bunch of them and he tries to interact he's like i can't remember which one of you is which one of you is the one i talked to and that kind of thing this man is really just going through it with these seahorses trying to get one to like love him back a little bit oh jesus anyways through this process the grok has followed them from moomin valley Mm -hmm. to this new island that they're at lighthouse island um, and he's terrified of the Grok. The Grok just sits there and wails every night. It's attracted to light, which I don't know if I mentioned this. Um, it's Again, attracted to light, so it just fall- sounds really familiar to me. <laughs> um, it's attracted to light, <laughs> and it follows the lantern across the sea mm-hmm. to the new place. And every time when he goes out at night, he lights the lantern and then goes to see the seahorses. Okay, all right. Um, so the Grok always just, like, stands there and watches his light. And it, he's, like, he thinks he's messing things up for his family in a way because he's, like, oh, the Grok must be cured because I have the lantern. And I don't want to be encouraging the Grok by, like, looking at it or talking to it, but I need to be out here to look at my seahorses. This is the most unhinged part of the story. Okay. At some point, they start noticing that, like, the little places that they go, used to go and visit in the island are now shifting and changing. And it's because literally all the plants are lifting up their roots and moving closer in towards the lighthouse. 
the sand that used to be on the beaches is slowly receding back into the water. Um, like, the oh. island itself is, like, shrinking. Almost. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And the little movement troll, who thinks he's, like, responsible for the Grok being here in the first place and is messing up the vibe of his family, he's like, shit, the island is terrified of the Grok. Um, <laughs> and that's why it's doing everything. And for a long time, I believe this true, to be true, too. But on the other plot line, we have Moon Papa, who's investigating the sea. And Moon Papa has a really cute reason for why he wants to understand the sea. And I think it's because he's homesick, too. But here's mm-hmm. a quote from the book. My idea is to discover the secret rules the sea obeys. I must if I'm going to learn to like it. I shall never be happy on this island until I've learned to like the sea. So, like, what we're really seeing here from all three of them is, like, kind of like a hyperfixation on something. Yeah. Because they're not doing so well with the move at all. Yeah. Uh, even though this is what they all wanted was a change of pace from their life. Yeah. But because he's investigating the sea, I think he realizes that the sea is being really mean to the island. And that's why the island is receding in. So um. he, in the most dad move ever, marches up to the sea and goes... Like, during this really big storm that's happening. Marches mm-hmm. up to the sea and goes, Hey, not cool. The island is your friend, and it is your job to protect and nourish the island. By being <laughs> mean to the island, you are forsaking your duties, in a way. And that is not a fair thing for you to do. And yells at the sea. and Or not really yells, but scolds it, you know? And the sea goes, Oh, I'm sorry, and, like, doesn't really say anything, but just, like, gives him a cask of whiskey. (laughs) As, like, hey, my B. The sea knows what's up. Yeah, and Sorry, trying to be a better neighbor here. As they, like, before this scene happens, though, I'm just, like, this whole family is going to shit. (laughs) Like, legitimately, like, mama's off there painting, like, nobody's business, Dad's not in the picture. Troll's freaking out over the seahorse liking him. Um, but they kind of come together in a really great way after they he yells at the sea. Mm-hmm. The plants start to relax a little bit. Um, Moomin Troll at the same time starts being a little nicer to the Grok. Okay. In terms of like every night he goes out there and he's hanging out with her in a way. Mm-hmm. And she begins to soften in the company that they spend together. Because her big thing was that she's just lonely. Yeah. And to have someone who consistently comes out every night and is with her, she stops being cold. And the loneliness starts leaving her. And one night he's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make it out, but I have to try for her. Mm-hmm. And he rushes out to go meet the Grok. And the Grok realizes that he did that for her. And she just stops being a villain altogether. Aww. Like, and he does now. He doesn't have to come out every night. She doesn't need that reassurance, but she knows that she has a friend somewhere. Dear God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the same time, Moomin Mama kind of talks Moomin Troll out of his hyperfixation of these seahorses. She's like, just because you love something doesn't necessarily mean it needs to love you back. Yeah. And I think he takes a really good lesson away from that. And this it ends on this chapter called um, the Lighthouse Keeper. And it ends because after that storm, the fisherman kind of lets them know, tomorrow's my birthday. And although this man has literally never been nice to any of them or helped them in any way, they're like, let's do a birthday party for the fisherman. So um, throughout the story, um, Moom and Papa wears like a top hat in the other comics. He Mm -hmm. switches it out for the lighthouse keeper hat. Okay. 
Um, and he decides, because he's not using this hat anymore, to give it to the fisherman for his birthday. Mm-hmm. So the fisherman, like, he's, like, trying to drag him towards the lighthouse. And the fisherman is terrified. He's like, I don't want to go to the lighthouse. Please don't make me go there. He's like, calm down, breathe, close your eyes, and before you know it, you'll be in the lighthouse. And they take him in, they bring him in, they bake him a little cake. Um, they're almost out of kerosene and that kind of thing because they've been burning this lamp every single night. But they use the last little bit that they have to light the candles for his cake. And he blows them out and he goes, hey, I think you're wearing the wrong, I think, we're, I think we need to switch hats. He takes off the top hat that he just got, he was given and switches it with the lighthouse keeper hat. Goes up and uh, fixes the light in the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. What? And that's how the story ends. <laughs> this fisherman was just kind of traumatized by the sea. Forgot that he was a lighthouse keeper. And went to go live his little merry life on... Or, like, just, like, began to fish on the edges of the island. Because he didn't know what to do without his role. Lighthouses fuck people up, man. Mm. Yeah. That's... Wow. Um, anyways, the story is, like, very much a parallel to Toad Jansen's life. Mm-hmm. Because she got up and moved somewhere else completely with her lover. And had, and they say that the lighthouse, the way it's built, and the way their cabin is built, where they can see everything on all ends, mm-hmm. same thing. So it's a very direct parallel to her life. And she does this consistently through everything. Uh, but I thought it was a really cute lighthouse story about something I didn't know about that's a really big commercial thing um so i thought i'd share it i like that that was super cute yeah thanks divya you're welcome as divya mentioned up top if at any point it gets a little too heavy i have some fun facts all right let's do it (laughs) so my sources for today are npr the afsc which i don't know what the acronym actually stands for but it is for um prison reform now you understand why it's going to get heavy. Mm. <laughs> the I have most concerned face on right now. <laughs> she really does. She's just like, what is this girl going to do today? Uh, okay. Um, the Vera Institute of Justice. Okay. Also about prison reform. And then prisonpolicy.org. You okay. can take a guess what that's about. The rest came from my own brain and a movie that I watched recently, but I can't tell you about quite yet. Okay. All right. So, we're going to start with a heavy topic. Solitary confinement. Dun, dun, dun. We're going to stay on this topic for a while. Um, So, solitary confinement started in the United States in 1829 with the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. I have been there. It's really creepy. In prison? No, the Eastern State Penitentiary while you were there for prison it's closed now it's open they do because you launched a riot there while you were in prison yes yes Divya. <laughs> exactly yes i just had to disappoint my family a little more uh. um no so they do haunted tours and stuff now because this place sucked so much as a prison that they were like yep there's definitely ghosts here <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of par for the course for a lot of prisons. This particular one is very interesting because a lot of people killed themselves. Yikes. Solitary confinement, baby. It does wonderful things. It does terrible things. 
it really doesn't do any wonderful things, I feel. No, it really doesn't. As a matter of fact, I have a lot of things that it does, and they're all terrible. So short-term to long-term, it can cause visual and auditory hallucinations, hypersensitivity to noise and touch, insomnia and paranoia, uncontrollable feelings of rage and fear, distortions of time and perception, increased risk of suicide, and, of course, leaves all of our lovely humans with some more PTSD. Mm. Yeah. So, it started here. There were a lot of Quakers that thought around this time the best way for people to recover in prison is to leave them alone with a Bible and let them pray and repent and become a glorified version of a timeout. Yeah, because that's how Quakers operate. (sighs) Okay. Um, It didn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eventually, the suicide rates at the Eastern State Penitentiary became so high that they reduced the practice and at some point got rid of it, partially because of the rates of violent crime happening and depression and suicide and all of that, mm-hmm. but also because they literally had so many prisoners coming in that they were shoving multiple people into these solitary rooms. Mm-hmm. Solitary. Meant for a singular human. Oh, they were shoving multiple people into these. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That, that part was missed on me. I was just like, okay, they're putting more people in solitary. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so it just wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And it's a very creepy place. And when I was there in particular, um, I remember being in front of one of the solitary cells and all of a sudden I felt this like gush of cold air and I was like, hmm, that's weird. And then at night I looked at my arm and there were like these little fingerprint bruises. Oh, I so don't fuck with that. On oh, my arm. oh, ew. You know what's worse than a horror movie? A horror movie that happens in real life. Mm. Yeah. We'll be talking about that, Fun. actually. This is the horror movie happening in real life. Solitary confinement is that horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a fun fact that's not fun. Uh, okay, you so have this to is request... not one of my four fun facts. No, good, you, have to, you have to actually request the fun facts. Okay. Um, according to the United Nations, solitary confinement is human torture. Wonderful. It should be illegal, but the United States is not actually a part of this particular UN nation reform. Wow. Yeah. Once again, another thing that we are behind on as a country. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? It's not part of our get bitches, fuck money. <laughs> um, so by 1890, the issue of solitary confinement was brought up to the Supreme Court, where the ruling ended in favor of continuing solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. Uh, But what's important to note here is that one of the justices, Samuel Freeman Miller, said a very specific quote. A considerable number of prisoners fell, after even short confinement, into a semi-fatuous condition, from which it was next to impossible to arouse them. A.K.A. they're literally catatonic. Whoa. And others became violently insane. Still others committed suicide while those who stood the ordeal better were not generally reformed and in most cases did not recover sufficient mental activity to be of any subsequent service to the community. This is 1890. They knew the effects of solitary confinement. 
It continues to be used to this day. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's so painful to think about. And, and not only that, but in like 1890, it was still relatively confined to like a few prisons that used it. Now it's like widely used across the country. Yeah. I watched Oranges in Your Black. Yeah. Um, so, in 1934, Alcatraz opened on an uh, the isolated island everybody knows of off of the San Francisco Bay. Mm-hmm. I went to Alcatraz. I did not vibe with it. You lucky... Oh. I didn't get it. I was like, this is an abandoned place. It's cold. I was like 10. Hey, the first pictures on my iPod. <laughs> so, the first pictures I ever took as a person are of Alcatraz. <laughs> Because I got the iPod right before we went on the trip. And then you were like, I don't vibe with this. I took so many photos of it, though, because I was just so excited to have a camera. <laughs> well, it wasn't like it was terrible. And I learned a lot, and I liked learning. But yeah. I was like, I think as a child, I could just feel like the vibes were off. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to be in a place where so much pain happened. Yeah. Of course the vibes were off. You want to hear about how the vibes were off? Yes. Fantastic. I don't actually have too much on Alcatraz, just very particular thing. So it had four cell blocks, and three out of those four were operated as like a normal prison where, you know, people had free time and everybody could talk at certain times of the day and they had like outdoor time and jobs and could play music and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was actually compared to other prisons at the time, somewhat Mm -hmm. more lenient because was on an island and the prisoners couldn't go anywhere so the guards were just kind of like yeah you can have some extra time outside oh, i don't care yeah that's nice yeah hmm. nice for them it's not very now, nice outside block- in alcatraz though no it's very cold no it's really yeah mm-hmm. so at least they could though yeah yeah then cell block d not so nice solitary confinement only solitary uh, yeah. Why do they need so much space for solitary confinement? It's like 25% of the space is for solitary confinement. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta give people some room to stretch and scream and run back and forth and a little tiny mm-hmm. space and have their hallucinations. By the way, while we're on this topic, do you remember the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode where Jake yes. Peralta is in solitary confinement? Yes. He makes the Amy on the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I was Mashed potatoes. Oh. Yes. So yeah, Solbuck D, only solitary. And then there was this one particular cell that was called the hole. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the hole? No. I mean, mm-hmm. have I seen a hole? No, yes. no, no. The hole when you were there. Mm, I don't remember. I was so little. Okay. I was like 10. Oh. I was like, I got my first iPod in like fifth grade. Oh my God. Lucky B. Yes, truly. Mm-hmm. I was like Sharon Clueless. Oh, all right. Well, that is my version of privileged. <laughs> She's so hot. And then she had a hot stepbrother, too. It's like, that's not fair. That's too many cards in life to have. She did her stepbrother. I, end of the movie. Ew. Have you never seen Clueless? No. Well, he's not her stepbrother anymore. He's like ex stepbrother. Oh, that's not cool though. But they didn't grow up together either. I don't, I'm, mm. All right, this is a very controversial topic. Everyone is up in arms about it. I understand that we would too be up in arms about it. Ugh, nasty. I support it. To be honest, I also support the incest in Game of Thrones. So I'm just built different. 
you can make kill me when I'm on my period. All That's right. literally all I think about. Wouldn't it be nice if I just didn't have to get my period again? The only way I see out of that is death. Speaking of death. Yes. <laughs> I did that on purpose. Look at me. I am a transition girly. Okay. So, back to these. all these prisoners are on permanent lockdown. They're forced to stay inside of their cells for 23 hours at a time with one hour of non-communal yard time for each prisoner each day. Mm-hmm. And they have no access to continue getting educated or continuing their jobs. Mm. So technically speaking, this is the first time that the like super max concept is being tested out in the United States. Okay. In 1983, a hundred years after our bro from the Supreme Court was like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Let's not do this. Uh, we yeah. don't learn as a nation. In 1989, the first actual Supermax facility is opened. And in this Supermax facility... Where is it opened? Uh, I think it was California. I don't actually know. Okay. There are multiple now. Mm-hmm. There's a good number of them. Okay. These Supermax facilities. Mm. Stupid. Um, so, they standardized at this point, prisoners will spend 22.5 hours a day in their cell, and the rest they have as non-communal yard time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Isn't it? I'm no. hoping it's getting better at some point. <laughs> oh, she laughs. <laughs> she laughs. With the prison industrial system. I'm just hoping the story <laughs> itself might take. are a commodity. Who cares about their mental health? According to the United States government. Mm. Um, so, since then, there have been... Some reforms, minor reforms. There is, like, you have to allow prisoners to have a few hours out of, con- of ugh, sorry, solitary every day. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to have at least one hour. Okay. So one to two hours is, like, standard. Um, and some states have requirements for the amount of time that you can allow a prisoner to be in solitary. Some have certain things for, like, what was it? The the types of infractions that people can get solitary for. But a lot of states still don't have many regulations. And on a federal level, there's nothing except for the amount of time, which is that, like, they have to have at least an hour of sunshine a day. Like a flower. Like oh. a freaking plant. They're I mean, like, a plant would die if it only got one hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great, isn't it? Mm, I mean, sounds like we need better regulations, but I'm glad to hear some regulations were put in place. Mm. But they're not good. Yeah, you get to hear more about that now. Okay. So back in, like, 2012, there was a study that was conducted that went and looked at what is the actual rate of prisoners getting solitary, why are they getting solitary, and what are their life outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, what was found during this study was that roughly 20% of the prison population anywhere, not not just, like, in certain facilities and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This is of all prisoners. Right. 20% at any given time, or during a 12-month period, will experience solitary. That's insane. That's, yeah. One-fifth of the population. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. In North Carolina specifically... 
40% of the people that were given solitary confinement times were for nonviolent rule violations. Do you, like, what, they, like, didn't stand in line right? Sure. They didn't tie their shoes the right way? Maybe. Wow. I'll tell you what some of them were. In Mm. Nebraska, they looked at the top three, the top five violations that caused solitary. Uh And the three of those five were disobeying officers, disruptions, Mm -hmm. swearing. Why? Oh my God. That's just terrible. It really is. There's no, there's no good thing to that. The same study found that for any prisoner that faced any length of solitary time, they had a 50% increased risk of premature death. Of course they do. That just makes, that's just extreme stress your body's under. Also, like, the fact that the rules that they're choosing are so subjective to what the officers think. It puts yeah. too much power in the officer's hand. Absolutely. Of, like, what, what do they count as disrespect? Mm-hmm. It's like, looking at you wrong? Like, that's what they could make it. Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. It's disruptive. Whatever whatever that is. Fuck mm. you. All right. You get to go into solitary now. Okay. All right. Where are we going next? Wait. Lastly, the brains of these prisoners literally shrink. They what literally, does brain like, shrinkage actually mean, though? The brain, like, atrophies. The neural connections break. And their brain physically shrinks. So that's what's happening when your brain shrinks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, fun. Take me away. Take me to the next place. I want to leapfrog away. Do you need another? I do. Okay. My next fun fact about wet leg is, and I think you'll be very excited about this. Okay. They've already completed their second studio album. Ooh. Yeah. Ah. Oh my God. When are they coming out? So they actually completed it back in June of 2022. I think they might be waiting to finish up the rest of like their touring slash co- being opening for other bands that are touring. Um, and then they'll release it. But that song that we didn't know yeah. is definitely one of their new singles that's going to come out. Oh, wait. Did we tell them that we went to go see Wet Like last night? I did. Okay. Yeah. Audience, we went to see Wet Like. Well, we went to see Wet Like, Florence and the Machine, and Hope Tala. But we specifically were there for Wet Leg. Florence and the Machine rocked. And Hope Tyler was good. I had never heard of them before. No, I hadn't heard of her either. Yeah. I thought her voice was really interesting. It was good. I liked the yeah, rap I liked the her, best. Well, yeah. But I liked her R&B style. It was cool. Yeah. I'm, hold on, looking at tour dates for Wet Leg to see when they finish. Because they <laughs> need these girlies to drop. I'm really excited because um, Divya, who I mentioned, and her boyfriend have this band that they really like, Half Alive, and they mm-hmm. go and see them everywhere. And I've always thought, I want an indie band to call my own <laughs> that I, too, would love, cherish the way they do. I found them. It's <laughs> Yeah. So. Their website is so confusing. I do not know how to operate this. I am too old for this shit. I'll figure out when they stop touring later. All right. All right. Tell me. I'm ready. Jump me back in. We're done talking about solitary confinement. Okay. The important thing to take away from all of this is isolation is very bad for humans. Yeah. I'm very glad I learned this. It is very painful to learn this. Yes. Mm. Now, I want to talk about my favorite genre of horror movie, which is the psychological thriller. I love myself a quality psychological thriller. 
Okay. I think one of the reasons why is also one of the reasons why studying psychology and looking at like things like solitary confinement is also very interesting. It's because at the core of every psychological thriller, there's some form of isolation. Oh, I could see this. Yeah. yeah. This is all the information that just comes from my brain. I was like working really hard to try and find some weird like review of thrillers that had this. Mm -hmm. This is my own connection. Okay. Just so you know. No, that's what. You're bringing your own take to it. Yeah. Ultimately. We're not just spouting out information. We're putting a spin on it. All right. That's what we're bringing. Well, I, based on my experience of watching psychological thrillers, organize them into four subtopics. Okay. And that is... A thriller that's based around mental illness, mm-hmm. like self-isolation, that type of behavior. Right. Like woman in the window. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good one. Nice. Um, something that only the person keeps seeing, or it can be like a couple of people. Mm-hmm. I would put like nope kind of into that category. Um, right. I'd put, you haven't seen it yet, but don't worry, darling, into that category. Okay. <laughs> It's not, it's not good. It's not very good. It has so many Does plot Midsommar holes. fall into this? Midsommar? No. Actually, that's, that, oh, I have five categories on here. Okay. Apologies. Um, We've already established in a previous podcast that you can't count, so yes. I think everyone is okay with this now. Oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's gaslighting, which... Literally, the term gaslighting comes from a psychological thriller where the husband is slowly turning down the lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read about this. Yeah. 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 Um, and then he, like, tricks his wife and he's like, I'm not turning down, down the lights. lights. They're the same. What are you talking about? You must be losing your mind. Wow. Yeah. And then there's being an outsider, okay. which is like midsummer. Um, Get out. Get Out definitely fits into that. Oh, no. Hereditary is definitely the mental illness take. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot that fit into... Oh, Men. You haven't seen it, but it's new. It came out this year. It's really good. Oh, I remember seeing... It's like an A24 film, right? Where she's like... Yeah. 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 I saw the trailer for that, and I was like, that sounds like it's going to haunt me forever. Pass. It's it's really good. I liked it a lot. Um, would recommend to you know what fans we need of to thrillers. see X. I haven't heard of this. It is um, a horror movie where they go out to film a a X rated film mm-hmm. um, in the middle of nowhere, and the townsfolk start to get wary that this is happening, and then horror pursues. Fantastic. And then they did a prequel to it that released this year of like the ghost who's haunting that place. But her biopic mm-hmm. and how she kind of descends into mania and then eventually becomes the spirit that's ruining their lives. Whoa. So, and I heard from Yasmina, who is a friend of ours, uh, for context. Uh, she was like, it's really, really good. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to add that to the list. I trust her. She's a good one. She's a good one. Yeah. She's a good egg. I'm a big fan. I picked up egg from you. Thank you. I like calling people eggs. Yeah. One egg, two egg, blue egg, red egg. Good egg, bad egg. One bitch, two bitch. Red bitch, blue bitch. All the bitches are mine. Get money. Yeah. All right. And the last one, which is our most important one, is physical isolation. Okay. Yeah. That would be like yellow wallpaper. 
I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen it. It's not a, I don't think it's a movie. It's like a short story I read, but essentially <gasps> the peeling wallpaper. Oh, she starts seeing the things. woman. I don't think it's called the yellow wallpaper. I want to take that back. It's, it's called it's- the woman, I think. But it's the one where she's like crawling along the wall, peeling the wallpaper. Yeah. It's on. the it's right. Called, it's called the yellow wallpaper. The oh, short it is. story. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the woman is. It's my vibe it's- in life. No, no, no. The woman is the one that's like peeling the wallpaper yeah slowly. she starts peeling it and yeah. she crawls along the wall peeling the wallpaper yeah, yeah she was like seeing things in it but essentially it was like i think it was released in hold on it's old it is old it's not 1892 it's yeah. like when we used to lock up women and say they had a mental illness when they didn't and then she's going insane from solitary confinement <laughs> hey i just linked it back <laughs> you think that just happened in 1892 i mean it's back when i said hmm. I mean, do we still practice that? Do we stop anything? Do we stop anything that's terrible that's been happening that I mean, doesn't happen anymore? That's my question. We've reduced it, right? Like, I don't think I don't think people are coming and taking away housewives as much. I'm hoping. Yeah. It's bigger than the 1950s. Maybe we just do it in different ways now. I'm feeling all cynical. I kind of want to go back, listen to my little Finnish music. Remember the hippos? Do you, the moving people. Do you need one more fun fact? No, I gotta... I'm already on my third one. How much more do we have left? Two more. No, I know, but how much more of your story do we have left? I gotta pace oh, myself. Oh, I'm actually... I'm almost... We're almost there. Okay, then I'll take my third one. All right, all right. Your third fun fact is that the lead singer, Ryan Tisdale? Yeah. Rian Tisdale? Rian, probably. Okay. Rian? I'm gonna give up. Only picked up playing electric guitar when wet leg formed. She was like a classically trained pianist before that. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, she's so cool. Um, when she finished the show, they had to go catch a flight. And she she goes up to the mic. She goes, thank you. Cheers. Must be off now. And then her entire band sprints off the stage to go catch their flight. It was amazing. Yeah, it was beautiful. All right. Yeah. I feel rejuvenated. Take me. So, I was talking about physical isolation, psychological thrillers. Mm -hmm. I think the most prevalent one that would come to anyone's brain is The Shining. Okay. Yeah. The guy's, like, fully devolving. He's hallucinating. He eventually ends up dying by the end of it, Mm -hmm. which is very common in physical isolation thrillers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now... I'm going to tell you from my perspective in a somewhat fucked up way, a psychological thriller that I recently watched and you already know what it is. Yeah. But you're going to keep it quiet. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So we start off with two dudes that are randomly together. They'd never met and they're going to do a job together where they don't have contact with anyone else for a long time. Mm-hmm. Any fans of thriller- thrillers out there already know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the one dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and the other dude is old, experienced, bosses the other dude around a lot, is kind of abusive, and he farts a lot, which is kind of a plot point at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like one of the first sounds you hear is just him farting. I... Old man farts are not fun. No. Also a plot point. Just the smell. Yeah. Okay. So on the first day, the younger guy finds this little sculpture in his bed, and he's, like, instantly obsessed. He's like, great, I'm going to hold on to this. A statue. Can I say it? No. Okay. 
Because I'm keeping... I'm keeping... Oh, you're trying to keep people from guessing the movie. Yeah. Okay, okay. Unless they really know. All right. All right. So they're at dinner on the first night. And the old guy is like, you need to drink. The kid's like, I don't drink. I'm not drinking right now. I'm trying to keep my wits about me. The old guy's like, you're dumb. You're going to go nuts if you do that. Mm. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Or something. The old guy is, like, kind of an asshole on the first night. He, like, raises his cup, he gives a toast, and then he's like, I'm waiting. Clink my cup. Oh. You have to clink this cup. It's bad if you don't clink this cup. Let's go. Interesting. He's yeah. sassy. He starts off not good. He starts off real bad. Um. So, life goes on. They fall into a bit of a pattern. The old guy continues being an asshole. The young guy seems like he's okay and just kind of doing his job. But he's, like, fucking obsessing over this little sculpture thing. Mm-hmm. It's dumb. Um, in the middle of all this, there's, like, a few little plot points that happen. He pisses off some birds, and this upsets the old man. Because the old man is superstitious as fuck, and he's like, don't kill those birds. Great. Mm-hmm. Then the young guy's treating the water, the water later, and he sees a dead bird in the water. And he's already somewhat unhinged, and he's, like, pissed about the old guy just existing and his whole bad omen thing. Yeah. So he literally beats the already dead bird on a rock. With another rock or with his bare hands? No, he like grabs the bird. He's like swinging it on the rock, like beating this already dead bird. That's not symbolic at all. Beating the dead bird? Yeah. Bad omens. Yeah. The bird's already dead. He beats the bird. That's not a symbol. Mm. <laughs> what, you think it's a symbol? No. 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 It can't be. No. Why would it be? So eventually this dude, this young guy, is like going around doing his thing. He's treating the water another day, and he sees the body of the previous dude who worked at this place. Mm-hmm. This unknown place. Right. Um, in their water source, he's like, ooh. But he doesn't say anything. He's just like, all right, you know what? It's time. I'm going to start drinking. The old dude? No, the young dude. The young dude's going to The old dude's drinking the whole time. Okay. He's living his merry life. All right, all right. The young dude is like, fuck it, there's too much going on. I'm going to drink now. Okay. So, the old dude and the young dude end up having this, like, really weird almost like sexy night together where they like they start off by just like singing some songs together then they're dancing together it gets a little romantic you know they're both sleepy and they're just kind of like doing the slow shuffle back and forth and he rests his head on the other guy's chest and yeah i wasn't sure what was going on at this point i was like are they gonna they fuck and then like something weird happens because they're not gay or (laughs) that direction what is that the direction the movie took? No. Where'd it go? So weird. It got so weird. Um, so actually what happens is that the young guy gets so drunk that he's like, dude, I lied about my name. Mm. And the old guy's like, don't tell me. I don't want to know what your actual name is. I don't want to know your beans. That's actually what he says. He says, I don't want to know your beans. <laughs> Don't spill your beans. I, I see where he was going. Yeah. Let's say it like that. But then so this weird. young guy is like, I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you because I have daddy issues and I want you to be my new daddy, so I have to tell you my real name. Aww. <laughs> Young guy's like, I killed my dad. Mm-hmm. Daddy issues. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a very different kind of daddy issues. It's the male version of daddy issues. Yeah. Okay. Old guy's like, what the fuck? Why are you telling me this? Because I want to kill you too? Yeah. Maybe. Who knows yet? Mm-hmm. So at this point, things are, like, starting to become clear. This old guy, he's not so bad. He just knows what he's doing, and he's like, I don't want to be in your business. Mm -hmm. Let's just not fuck with things and get through this the best we can. And that's why he's, like, drinking and farting and not giving a fuck. I mean, how long do they have to be together? Always? Well, so the initial time was, like, four weeks. But Uh there's a bad storm that happens, and they end up having to stay longer. Uh So it's unknown by the time the movie ends, like, how long they've actually been together. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Um, And he gets a little bit into what happened to his previous partner. His previous partner had actually become obsessed with some statue, which is actually Uh, the statue that the kid has now. Right. And... He ended up dying because he was just, like, super obsessed with this thing in mm-hmm. some undisclosed manner. Okay. All right. Young guy, at this point, full ass losing it. hmm So now he finds some logs that the dude is keeping because he's gonna... The, the old dude is gonna, like, pass these on to whoever is actually running this whole thing. Yeah. And he's bashing him for being... For neglecting his duties, the kid. Okay. In these logs. Mm-hmm. And having a bad attitude. And then, in one of the final descriptions, logs, logs, he says, like, I'd recommend this kid be fired when we return and not be paid for the job. Whoa, that's foul. Was he actually doing a really bad job, though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, the kid goes and confronts this old guy and it becomes very clear now. The old guy is like, look, you wander off for hours and you're not doing anything. You're obsessed with that statue like my last partner was. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. You're just not doing your job. I keep telling you things that need to get done. You're not listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it like at this point, everything really shifts and it becomes totally clear that this kid is like not doing good. He previ- he like obviously already had some sort of mental thing going on, mental illness. Right. You know, he killed his dad. And now he's here because he needed to get away because he's running from the law. Oh. And he's like super paranoid. He thought the old guy killed his previous partner because, you know, he killed his dad. Mm-hmm. And he's he's just he's just not doing good. Oh, poor poor kid. I don't know about that. I really don't know about that. He's not good. I mean, he sounds complex. He is complex. It was a very good movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And the old guy, the whole time, he's like, look, I've just been trying to keep the peace. I want to get through this okay and part ways when we get back. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, nope, fuck you. Okay. He beats the shit out of this old guy. I figured this was where we were going. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you're dead enough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go bury you alive. Okay. Yeah. 
Wow, this kind of stands on his record of he doesn't complete a job. Yeah. Okay. So he goes, takes him, starts burying him alive, and then he's like, but wait, I need to go check on this thing that this old man wouldn't show me the whole time because I have this obsession and I need to see it through. Mm -hmm. So he takes these keys to go and see this thing and runs off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Old guy's not actually dead. Yeah. Yeah. It it seemed like it. He's not. Not. So he comes back and he buries an axe in this kid's shoulder. While he's looking through the things. While he's going to look at the thing. Okay. So then the guy, the kid, pulls the axe out of his shoulder, whips around, fucking destroys this old man. This old man, no longer. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Poor old man. R.I.P. old man. Yeah. So then, this kid goes, checks out his thing, and is a dumb fuck. Looks at it, literally burns his eyes out. Falls off of the building. Burns his eyes out? You'll know why. Okay. Yeah. All right. Burns his eyes out. Falls on the ground like a dumb shit. And the last scene of this entire movie is the birds eating him. That's not symbolic or anything. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Seems like he deserved that. Yeah. All right. Now I'll reveal. So this is my summation of a fantastic psychological thriller that centers on both the concepts of isolation and mental illness, as I'd kind of clued out before, mm-hmm. called The Lighthouse. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know how he burns his eyes out? Yeah. He goes and looks at the bulb directly. It's the dumbest kid in the entire world. So what was the obsession with the statue? Doing. How does that fulfill out? So it's a mermaid statue. Uh-huh. So he's like having these weird visions of like meeting a mermaid and he fucks mermaid in one of these visions and it's really weird and then he has this weird like tentacle porn dream situation going on i recommend everybody watch this movie because this (laughs) is what i took away from the movie um that might not be correct okay (laughs) yeah basically it all leads back to like it's the same obsession that the previous guy had and that's the important thing okay and it all charts back to the light which is like why the old man won't let him go and look at the light. I just didn't want to say that because yeah. it ruined the whole keeping it secret yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in conclusion, we should end solitary because it leads to being eaten by fucking birds. Yeah, I'm with you. Wow, we told two, we basically did told two stories, like retold two stories. Yeah. That happened in a lighthouse. Yeah. And they're just so different. I mean, they're almost all very much the same, though. Because the hyperfixations that happen in both movies are very similar. Yeah. I just think the Moomin Trolls learned to survive the storm a little bit better than the other two did. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Maybe a little. Um, all right. With okay. that, I think we're going to end things. Let's do it. So, Ending. First off, Lewis. What no, is our- it's my turn to say it. What's our next topic? No! I'm asking what she the next stole topic is. It. Ah! She stole the ending from me. No! Lewis, tell us. Surf and turf. Surf, Surf and turf? Wow. I should have saved the lighthouse for that. <laughs> he surfed the waves, now he's the turf. It's going more for like, it's usually like some sort of fish and steak, but like in this case, the steak is the human birds. They eat a lot of lobster. That's mm. the surf. 
Okay. Well, the surf is inside the turf. The human is the turf. Yep. Mm. Nom, nom, nom. Nom. Okay. We'll be here again in two weeks. Wait, do we have an Instagram yet? We don't. Okay. Next time we'll have a handle to tell you about. Yes, we will. And we'll have... At some point, anybody who's watching this, go to Spotify. Give us a rating. Yeah. Maybe a five-star rating. And if you like us a lot, follow us. Yeah. It and helps once, us know. once we get to a point where we can actually, like, see what other people are rating us, we'll um, and that, make sure that we have an audience first. We want to roll out these, like, listener episodes that'll happen once a month so that instead of just having two episodes a month, we'll have three and one of them is we read you guys goofy stories that you've sent us. Yeah. So we'll see. That's a future thing, but you got to let us know you're listening. Yeah, let you gotta, us know. You got to rate us, you got to follow us, you got to be here. Yeah. Present for us. Wow, this is going too far. It is. It really is going too far. I just want to tell you, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Just let us know you are listening. We're not throwing these lighthouse stories out into the world. Nowhere to tether themselves to. Kind of like the light of a lighthouse. Oh, oh, Micah Drop. Thank you. And remember to always ask yourself, how did we get here? Bye-bye.